This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Stock Doctor. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Hayden Beamish, thanks very much for coming on Talk Your Book. I thought maybe we could start by uh, you telling us a little bit about Endeavour Asset Management and what you guys look to invest in. Yeah, no problem, Chris. Uh, my pleasure. Thank, thanks for having me. So... Endeavour, we're, a, we're a, a relatively small fund based in Albert Park in Melbourne. We've got about $300 million under management. We have a small amount of holdings between 20 and, 20 and 30 holdings. And we're just looking for great businesses where we can invest alongside management we trust with good operating metrics, good balance sheets, high return on capital, uh, good organic growth prospects. So a lot of the time we invest on the ASX, but we find ourselves investing in offshore businesses just because we like that large addressable market that companies can grow into and uh, ideally not not so leveraged to the swings of the economy and can can grow on their own merits and what stock do you want to talk about today so today i'm going to talk about altium which in my opinion is one of the best software companies to come out of australia so it was uh, it was actually founded in in Tasmania in the 19 in the 80s as a university project. They recruited the CEO from the from the mass division in about yeah mid 80s, and it's gone from zero to 250 million revenue and 100 million EBITDA and 40 percent margin. They're now now based in San Diego with 500 staff. Um, they've got offices worldwide. I've got a good customer list with sort of Tesla, Microsoft, Audi, Cochlear. Boeing, and it's a, it's a it's a great Australian success story. So, in my, in my opinion, it's still still got some good upside here. I can explain a bit more about what they do, but they're the a large player in PCB design, which is essential in the electronics industry. And PCB is a printed circuit board, but they're still tiny in the whole um, whole ecosystem they operate in. So talk me through about uh, PCB market. What's the size of that market and the overall addressable market that LTM playing? So the, the total addressable market at the moment with just the printed circuit board design, and maybe it's just worth talking about that a little bit. So a PCB powers every electronic device. So obvious tailwinds there. We've sort of uh, electronic device sales, 5G, Internet of Things, even, you know, your fridge is connected to the internet these days and even electric vehicles and cars, they're all, all uh, becoming software now. So they've got a, got a huge tailwind just with the electronics industry. And, and there's, a, there's a theory which you probably know and your listeners would as well, Moore's Law, which is that speed doubles and costs halve every two years. And interestingly, that, that theory was based on semiconductors and it's, it's now slowing down, the theory. So there's more reliance on the printed circuit board design. So with the Altium software, we're, we're just talking about the board that you will pull the software up, expand it on your screen, and you, you choose your design where you want to put the GPS chip, the Wi-Fi, uh, the wires between it. And there's a fair amount of design there, but just based on the electronic device it's going into. So, yeah, they're, they're well positioned to ride the growth in the in the PCB industry and also take market share from competitors, which they've been doing over the past past 10 years. And what are their other business business units? They do. They've got a few. They've got some small, two small ones. Say Nexus and Tasking, which are they're, they're small, but 
important divisions like uh, Nexus is used for uh, high-end enterprise customers and tasking is used for uh, software for software design for, for cars and autonomous vehicles and and then they've got three divisions which they're joining together in our team 365 so one of them's Octopart which the best way to think of it is Google for parts it sort of aggregates a library of all the parts used in electrical design and they take a clip of the sales and they also sell banner ads on the website and you can pay for pay for a higher ranking on the site so it is yeah, it's, it's Google Google for parts and it's small but they've doubled their revenue from 12 mil two years ago to 25 now so that's, that's growing strongly and they've got a software for the manufacturer so you think the designer designs the board he sends it to the manufacturer they make they make it manufacturing is a very low margin sort of capital intensive industry but they've got a software to track track their components and then the third part is our team designer which is the core core software so they just announced our team 365 over recent years and that that pulls all three parts together you can work remotely on any device uh, you can allow others access through an online reader and sort of communicate on on projects together, and that's driving a lot of the a lot of the growth at the moment. And it sort of leads into their their longer long term plan, which is to become the go to platform for the industry, which is a massive market uh, if they can be the platform of choice. So talk to me about the size of that market if they become the platform of choice for the industry, and, and what percentage of that market do you think they can get. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and it's it's a big driver of the valuation because you know your small assumptions make such a big big impact. But the current market they're in just for design is about a 680 mil addressable market, and they're reaching uh, they're they're tracking towards their goal is 50 percent market share, and they're once you so once you join the platform together with designer parts, Octopart have the manufacturer involved on the platform. The addressable market goes up to about two trillion dollars. So we're we're not assuming they will will capture um, a significant portion of this market if if they do pull off the long term plan. But so if there was a two trillion dollar industry and and they have fifty percent of the the designers on the platform, you attract the manufacturers because the designers pay for the manufacturers. The manufacturers want to be on the platform to get the work from the designers. So. So if they were to, if they were to get 10% of the two trillion market, that's you know 200 billion dollars, and they they're hoping for a 5% uh, clip through the platform. So uh, you could see them having 10 billion dollar revenue, and and this is if the if they pull this off, and you just you model the business out, and a 50 50% uh, free cash flow margin is feasible. So you know five billion dollars of free cash flow, and it's trading on. It's trading on uh, 40 times free free cash flow at the moment, but say if it just if that multiple halves from 40 to 20 times, it's it's a hundred billion dollar valuation. Uh, current market cap of four billion Aussies, so three three bill US. So maybe the market's describing a three percent chance of them being successful in the grand plan, which is which is probably fair. Talk to me. Is their historical financial performance has just looked you know, the thing of beauty for stock investors. Maybe talk about their, their compound annual growth rate and their return on equity and some of the metrics they have, which would be appealing to a lot of investors. Yeah, they have been. And that's why, I mean, it's been a great 
high quality business and that's why they've commanded the the multiple that they trade on and i think the main one for us we actually we found out him uh 2015 i think it was around around five dollars and it was actually from an ebit margin uh increase screen that we run for companies so australia and us we pull in the live consensus forecast and i think these days if you've got a margin you know above 10 15 percent it's probably a well-funded uh startup somewhere co coming for you and if you're increasing your margin over time i think it shows you've just got real ip and we're, and we're tracking out here in the margin every half was ebit margin was steadily increasing so um that that sort of attracted us to the business had a high return on capital the the revenue growth was strong the earnings growth was was quicker than the revenue growth and that's that's just an attribute of software companies that have that high initial fixed cost and then once you've once you've uh, depreciated the assets or you've worked worked through the initial upfront investment the high proportion of the revenue drops to the bottom line so it's sort of on on the surface all the financials um, were very attractive and here it was growing it was growing its EBIT at 40 percent um, up until last last half and since since then they've had a few downgrades but I think that's now uh, now is the opportunity because it's been a tougher period in the stock and they've offered some payment terms and uh, you know it's, the market's concerned about that but I think it does build customer loyalty and if you could sort of look through this soft period you are um, you are getting a great company on a on a on a fair value so trading trading 40 times free cash at the moment but just if they hit their targets of of doubling users from 50,000 to 100,000 by FY25. And that, that's management's expectation. If they can hit those goals, we can still get 100% upside on, on the DCF from here. Yeah, so they've dropped their prices for some of their products, which you, you alluded to there. Talk us through that and, and how long do you think it'll be before they can start to, to get those margins back that they've lost through that? Yeah, so they have dropped their prices just through, you know, March, March, April, and they've got two components to their their sales uh, business. So they've got a perpetual license, which is best best way to think of it is like uh, the old office, say 2015, and and our team design is just akin to office for you know the finance industry. If you if you want to go into the PCB industry, you want designer on your resume, and it's just the go-to software. So it is comparable, and um, designers obviously a lot. A lot more expensive, but their one-off license is about seven to eight thousand dollars US, and then they've got the Office 365 cloud equivalent, which is about two thousand dollars per year. So, in the last three months, the part of their revenue growth is from converting the old license to this new annual subscription, and you can see why tech companies over the past, if someone you know past three months, someone's coming to you to try and um, upgrade you're speaking to your manager i think we could upgrade to 2000 a year you know management would just say we we don't even know what our budget looks like for this year or next let's let's hold off and stick with the product that works is working okay so they had this soft period they slowed down their payment terms and they also brought out an installment plan so it was probably the first sign that uh, revenue was tracking a, a bit softer and i think it's just all sort of all builds customer loyalty in the end so many of these tech stocks have an inverse correlation of bond yield or a strong correlation to bond prices. This opinion like to be similar. Do you ever get a feeling with these sorts of business that it's just another way to articulate that that same trade of 
of low bond yields, central bank currency printing and, and really high valuations for stocks that can demonstrate a, a reasonable growth profile? It's a, it's a huge factor. Um, I mean, we've had, as we were saying before, we've had rates you know, since the 1980s have come from 15% down to 0.75%. Well, this is a 10-year bond yield, which sort of reflects future rate expectations. And, and in January, um, we had the, the bond yield was 1.75. And I remember thinking that the markets had a good, good rally. And the risk now is that inflation is going to come through and and we're going to have bond yields increase, and this is going to really impact growth growth valuations because it is it is a big factor. Like we've had just the last decade, the yield's gone from five to 0.75, so the the discount rate that we use has come from 11% to 7%. So if you're a high growth company and you've got your value in later later years, and you discount that back at a lower rate, it has has a huge implication for valuations. And now we've had since the coronavirus central bank easing around the world, the, the 10 year yields around 0.7. So that, that has a big, big impact. And that's why we've seen the, the rally we have over the past three months, especially in the US. And if that rate was to increase, like that, that's a factor we, we would look at because we, we don't try and predict it, but we will use it as a current input. And if rates are going up, there'll be a bit of a rotation away from growth back, back into inflation producing assets that are, that are a bit cheaper. More broadly on that, could you see a world where inflation does pick up, but central banks implement yield curve control on bond yields around the world? And in that environment, would that be the best possible scenario for this, where they can get some pricing inflation, but valuation metrics still remain incredibly high? Yeah, that's right. So, so fingers crossed that plays out. And, and I think that's a logical expectation, considering the, the debt globally, that the only way out now is to inflate their way out of it. And, and if rates increased, they wouldn't be able to increase too too much without having a bit of an impact on the economic growth. So I think I think that is likely, and that's the um, that, that is the ideal scenario for these these high quality growth businesses. And lastly, investors love sort of small narratives to to make complex idea around investing simpler. You often hear with gold miners and people that make money in a gold rush are those that sold the picks and the shovels. You know, that, that IoT thematic, which has been huge, but to, to play it through pure play IoT companies often been really hard. Do you see that as a bit of a, this is a, almost a play on that whereby you can, you can buy the picks and shovels to such a big thematic without maybe the margin compression that some of those IoT providers are, are going to cop? It's an interesting way to think about it because they are leveraged to the, the thematic and the industry is growing, growing strongly and, and they've had this recent recent hiccup where the market's sort of looking through to their new payment plans, and and we've looked at you know a few channel checks in the industry that suggest the industry is actually okay. We spoke to a, a contact at a PCB design firm, and he's he's very busy, and and they're one of their competitors. Mentor has been purchased by Siemens, and they now focus on on wire design for cables in planes and cars because that's Siemens' main business, and. And you look at Octopart, which you know they own the parts business. They had semi sales, semiconductor sales went up six percent in May, and that's a bit of a leading indicator for for their demand because you buy the semiconductor to put on the PCB board first. So, so there are some good good signs there for the industry, and and there aren't many ways to play it in Australia, especially that Internet of Things thematic of general elect electronics. We don't we can't buy Apple, uh, Samsung, or we you know it's hard to get close to management 
from Australia. So it's, it's, it's a good way to play it, especially with a high quality business that they've proven themselves over the last 25 years. And we know Altium made an acquisition not so long ago. Do you think there's any chance Altium could be a takeover target in the, the next two or three years? I would have said yes when we when we first invested, and that was around you know the share price was a lot lower, and they had a partnership with Dassault, which is a, a French business that um, it sort of made sense to acquire Altium and keep keep the margin to themselves. But now the four billion dollar market cap, and they're the leader in the industry, so. There's no incumbent that would take them over to protect their high market share. So I sort of think the, uh, the opportunity is there for our teams for the taking. And they're the only one really with this grand plan to consolidate the industry together with the manufacturing as well. No, no one's really thinking with that, that amount of vision. That is sort of a 10 to 15 year plan. So I, I would doubt it at this price and um, especially the multiple it trades on because you know, it'd be hard to get some synergies by taking it over. You'd really have to buy into this five to 10 year plan to see, see some upside, but, but that's, um, that's what we're doing and we're, we're confident they'll deliver. Beautiful, mate. Well, it's a compelling story. Uh, you've articulated it really well. So thanks very much for uh, coming on the show. My pleasure. If you're interested in building your own investment process, make sure you check out Stock Doctor, the proud partner of Talk Your Book. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.